Welcome back to the DC Three Cast. I'm Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about all the new DC books that came out this past week. Um, as a reminder, we will talk about spoilers. So if you haven't read the issues from last week yet, you might want to take a break and read them before you uh, listen to our show. So uh, before we start, boys, how you doing? I have a hangnail. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, it yeah. hurts. I bet. I hate hangnails. Me too. DC3 is, is strongly anti-hangnail. I'm chewing on it right now, so... <laughs> oh, you're just going to make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brian, how are you doing? You know, you always ask us, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, looking forward to watching The Flash later. Oh, uh, man, I'm so far behind on DC TV. Uh, you're, you know why? Why? Too much of it's it? Be- well, there is too much of it. Yes, that's one thing. But no, they switched um, the the Hulu deal that uh-huh. they've had expired, and so now the only way, other than you know actually watching it on TV, which um, I don't have cable, um, the only other way to watch it is through the Hulu app or through like Hulu.com. And isn't it the CW app? Yeah, not Hulu. I meant the CW oh, okay. app. Yeah, the CW app or CW.com, not Hulu. Sorry, which is just really inconvenient because. That either means I like have to sit, I like I can't watch it on my television because I don't have any devices connected oh, to the okay. CW app, um, which it's on literally every other device except for the two things I own, a <laughs> PS4 and a Wii U. So I'm kind of just like out of luck. I, I the first week I sat and watched all of them on my iPad and it was just like. Uh, <laughs> So I haven't, I haven't like made myself sit down and watch them. To give a little peek behind the curtain here, uh, Vince knows about this because I text him about it almost every day. But I'm doing this thing where on my lunch break I watch an episode of The Sopranos on HBO Go on my uh, computer at work. But the days I have to review a show, if I haven't done it yet, I'll just watch it on my laptop at work. So that's not – it's not a big deal for me. But if I was watching it – if I wanted to watch it on my TV, that would be a problem. But yeah, I, I am still a cable subscriber, so I just uh, – DVR it. So I, I have a theory about all these streaming deals and things. Let's hear this one, uh, futurist Vince Ostrowski. Yeah, so so I think, you know, like pretty soon there's going to be a streaming service for every channel. Okay. Right. So you I mean C B S is doing your, that now kind of. Right. You want your C B S your you CISO. Subscribe, you subscribe to the C B S, you want your C W, you subscribe to the C W. And then, hang, I'm going to take it one step further, okay? Someday, there's going to be like two or three companies that package these all together into quote-unquote tiers. And so you'll pay like $50 for this tier, and then you'll pay $70 for this tier in, uh, you know, like a package form, so to speak. So cable. You mean like cable. <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's. Yeah. But honestly, you're probably not far off. No, you're not. These things are very cyclical. It's so ridiculous, right? I mean, like that that we can't. I guess you could buy each individual episode the the next day on iTunes or whatever. Uh huh. But it's so ridiculous that like you can't just. 
it's so ridiculous that they're not like like how long did that Hulu deal last? Like a year, right? Uh, no, I mean I watched I think two seasons worth of the show, so at least at least two years I think. Oh man, it feels like it was because I remember when that was announced, and I thought, oh, so Hulu's going to be the home for DC TV. For I don't know. know, maybe it only was maybe it was only a year. Um, no, I think it was at least two. No, I know it was two because I watched uh, the Flash. For like, for some reason, in October or November of twenty, I guess it was fourteen. I lost power like three Tuesdays in a row, and so my DVR didn't tape the Flash. And so I remember watching it on Hulu. So I think from the I think the Flash seasons one and two were on, were on I Hulu. I think so too. Yeah. This has been an incredibly interesting conversation for our listeners. I'm sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. It's a problem. It is a problem. It is a problem. It's funny. I, I, a lot of my friends are cord cutters, and I totally understand the impulse for that. Um, my baseball fandom makes that kind of impossible, but I feel like the the cord cutters, the result of cord cutters, is just the proprietary nature of these streaming services, and it's going to eventually do exactly what Vince said, and just it's going to all come back to cable again. So, yeah, I'm I'm riding that out. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, are either of you familiar with the? Not to belabor this, like, <laughs> but. The I like the the PlayStation View service where it's like it's basically like cable, but I like you pay a flat fee and then like choose your channels. Yeah, I think that's like a a cool alternative. I think that's cool too. I did the free trial of that and I I really liked it. Um, the issue for me is that in the Twin Cities, and again, this is very fascinating for everyone, but in the Twin Cities we've got Comcast, and they're the fastest internet in my area and if i want that internet like they will literally throw like you can say that okay playstation only costs this much but they'll throw cable in with your internet and it will make like if i bought their internet and then playstation view that combo would be more expensive than their internet and their cable because they lop the internet price like in half to also give you cable. So like I'd love to cut the cord for PlayStation View, but Comcast makes that impossible by like saying, "Well, we'll give you all that cable basically for free," you know. Yeah. And that would also involve me buying a PlayStation and this isn't 2002 boys, so No, I think it works on other devices now too. Oh, really? Yeah. Which well, is weird, but That is weird. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, DC Comics, you guys. Yeah, we got a lot of DC Comics to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to start with Vigilante Southland Part 1. Not technically a Rebirth book, but one of DC's you know, new miniseries that they're launching sort of on the periphery of their line. Uh, written by Gary Phillips, illustrated by Elena Casagrande. Um, this is a bit of a different take on the Vigilante character. Uh, the Vigilante character is, is a name that's been passed down over many DC heroes. Uh, currently, we're seeing on Arrow the beginning of uh, of one of the Vigilante characters as well. Not the one featured here, though. So, um, before we get into the issue proper, do either of you guys have a great affinity for a particular incarnation of Vigilante? Or is it a character that you haven't uh, you know, encountered in uh, in too many stories that you loved? Yeah, I don't know how familiar I am with vigilante now i remember that vigilante series that um dc was publishing like a little bit before flashpoint uh -huh. 
because it had a, I think it had a crossover between it and Titans, maybe. Uh, that maybe sounds Teen right. Titans. I think it was Teen Titans. Titans. Yeah. Yeah, I just I vaguely remember that, but I never read the series. Um, I just remember it happened. Yeah, it's one of those uh, vigilante is one of those characters that I feel like was a uh, was a mainstay in like um, every event book. He'd show up for a little bit, you know, as part of the street level team that was fighting some monster in the street, or he'd show up like in the backups of an issue. Or, you know, just, you'd see him pop up here and there, but I I don't have any great affinity for the character. Um, So what did you guys think of this issue? Man, I thought it was just so generic. (laughs) I, yeah, I, I agree um, with the caveat that I'm impressed with the, the bounds of maturity that DC's pushing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual content of the issue was pretty straightforward, you know. Um, spoiler alert: like the main character's uh, girlfriend, girlfriend or wife, or I believe girlfriend. girlfriend right? yeah. yeah, I think girlfriend gets killed, you know, and then like that's the catalyst for him to don the the vigilante outfit that she had been wearing before, and like, of course, he gets like involved with his. Uh, estranged father and the two of them just don't get along and you know it's yeah it was it was pretty by the numbers it's very um, tropey yeah very tropey uh, but well let's hear what Brian has to say and then we'll we'll get into the maturity of it uh, mm-hmm. eventually I'm sure because um, I think it speaks to a, a, gr- a greater thing that DC is doing you know uh, but but we'll talk about that. Brian, what did, I, you wrote a review on this, right? It's on the site? I did, yes. And I, I like the issue more than you guys did. Um, I don't think it's fantastic. Uh, I don't. I think that there was a lot about it that, as you guys said, is pretty formulaic, pretty by the numbers. But there were two things that I really liked about it. The first was that I think... Um, we'll get to the maturity in a second... But I felt that this was a comic that was very um, unapologetic in being a black African-American comic. Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes DC has really shied away from from being as as overtly African-American as as it appears here. Or we get like the Mr. Terrific series two <laughs> where it was attempting to say something important but was just was just really really bad about it so I was really impressed with with sort of the blackness of the issue and the and the uh the dedication to making the the book about something more than just super heroics you know I liked that and I also liked the idea of um of the settings you know so many times in, in DC books and in Congress in general you know Everything is set in like the shiniest metropolises or the slummiest suicide slums. And this was very much, I feel like the setting, if anyone lives in like a small city, you know the neighborhoods in this in this comic. You know what I mean? Like it was I think it was very true to urban life without being again like Times Square or uh Skid Row. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. The, I was impressed with those with those little things about the issue. Um, and I think I appreciated those enough to enjoy the issue more than you guys did, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to deny the fact that it's certainly generic in points. 
nor am I going to deny the fact that there's no real reason for this to be a vigilante comic. That why couldn't this be a new character as opposed to just, you know, putting another person under the vigilante mask? Um, I, I want to... I, I have a caveat in that um, I... Like when I said it was generic, I didn't mean to like dismiss the like racial issues that it touched oh, on. I, I didn't think you were. No, no. But um, it was kind of hard for me to um, like, like not to bring Marvel into this because that's you know we try not to do that. <laughs> but I feel like that's something that Marvel has been doing really well for a while now. Yeah, and, I agree like with that. again, it kind of felt like. DC being a little late to the game and, and, you know, kind of with a, with an overall package that wasn't, in my opinion, like terribly interesting on, you know, from a, from like a narrative and structural standpoint. So I, I, I graded it. I, I think that caused me to grade it a little bit like more harshly. I, I think, I think that's totally fair. Um, but but yeah, I don't want to dismiss what they're doing either, uh, offhand. I just think you know, <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't as elegantly done as it could have been. But I, I do, I, and and this this kind of go pushes into the sort of the maturity level and what DC is doing with its with its different lines. Um, um, I, I'm I'm happy that they're going there. You know, um, it's about time. They 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 are doing a very Marvel thing. And actually, um, I think they're positioning themselves to push them beyond what Marvel has done as far as maturity and real-world events and things like that's concerned. Um, but but that, that'll remain to be seen the further we go along here. Um, so so let's, talk, let's talk a little bit about like, how mature this was. I mean, on, on content alone, you know, we, Brian, you brought up a week or two ago uh how or it was when midnighter and apollo came out uh-huh. and they had the word asshole yes in the comic and that's unusual you know that's that's usually i think marvel did it once they had like nick fury say it before he died or something uh and you know dc had done it once in midnighter before but that's that's new territory really for for a book that doesn't have a mature parental advisory on the cover you know um, and now Vigilante Southland used the word shit three times uncensored and it's a teen plus book, you know, which not to get hung up on the details and the ratings, but it just speaks to, uh, DC knows what audience is reading this book. You know, yes. they know that on average, I mean, obviously there's going to be some that look at it, but on average, kids are not reading this comic you know kids are not reading midnight or an apollo it's their characters that kids don't really have a frame of reference for and they're kids that are aimed at content that's a little more grown up like you know 13 ish seems like a good place to start considering these are like either super violent criminals or not criminals super violent heroes or uh, you know, crime fighters that are dealing in very gritty uh, areas of the world, you know. So um, they know, like, I, it, I, I'm i impressed by the fact that they know who is going to be reading these books and they're willing to push those boundaries 
without having to throw a you know throw it into a max line or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I was thinking about that very question. Like, all right, well, who is buying this book? And I came up with essentially um, three categories of people: people like us who read everything. And if you're one of those people, you're probably older because you need the disposable income to buy everything. So a kid is probably not reading this book for that reason. Uh, Someone who's a fan of the character, the vigilante, who's followed it in the past, just based on age and demographics, is probably not a kid either. And the third group would be somebody who heard about this and is going to read it because they've they've heard about it and said, oh, that sounds interesting. And again, a kid probably isn't like surging, like, what's a comic that does a lot of good racial issues this week? You know, so I feel like it's it's a pretty fair bet that it was going to be a book that kids weren't reading. And so, like you said, Vince, you know, there's no reason for them not to say shit three times, I guess. But it, it, do, it does show a, a big step forward in sort of how, they, how they've been handling their line in the last few years. Yeah, and then to, like, extrapolate that out to um, Young Animal, now that is a mature branded line. Like, I'm pretty sure it's it's very clear that, that these comics are going to be mature, you know? Yeah. Um, but again, that's DC allowing themselves to do something that they might not have done a few years ago, you know? And then we'll see what, what, what Warren Ellis's, uh, Wildstorm books have in store, whether they're going to be a little bit more on the mature side or what, but, but I feel like DC is really allowing themselves, you know, the freedom to have books that push those boundaries, boundaries of content, boundaries of maturity, boundaries of creativity, you know, and they're, I'm just, I'm just really, I mean, say what you want about rebirth, having like a vanilla lineup, you know, you go a little bit out from rebirth and there's a ton of stuff you could be reading now that, that doesn't have, you know, green lantern flash Batman on the, on the cover, you know, right. It's really interesting what's going on. I think it's interesting that we're getting these kind of like offshoot titles that don't fall under a specific banner. Um, Like, I I don't know. I wonder, I wonder why they've, why DC has chosen to, to do it that way. I I wonder, I mean, this is, this is giving them a little bit more credit than they probably deserve, but (laughs) I, I, well, I don't, I, I mean, like, I wonder if they realize they they tried DCU, right? And not far out of the gates were a lot of those books just not selling well, you know. Even though the three of us really enjoyed them, we we for the most part liked everything. Um, I think they were more critically acclaimed than anything in the New Fifty Two had been for a while. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I think they realize that they need a few of these books to keep creators, critics, and sort of uh, guys like us that want a little bit more than capes sometimes, you know. Um, not that we don't love that too, but, you know, we want to branch out a little bit. Like, it's probably, it's, it, it probably serves them well to do these as little four, five, six issue miniseries, you know. It's not much of an investment on their part, and they get some critical goodwill out of it. And if one of them was a surprise hit, 
it wouldn't be hard to see. Like if this if this book sells a hundred thousand copies, which it's not going to, but if it does, it wouldn't be hard to see a vigilante pop up in a team book or to have their own series in a year or six months. Yeah, like like Midnighter did. Yeah, you know, that, that's the big success out of there. Right. Even though Midnighter is not currently in a rebirth book. Well. Well, and see, that's the thing. It's I, I don't really understand, you know, why Apollo and Midnighter doesn't have, like, the Rebirth banner on it. Yeah. I, I think just, part of it is is that I don't think miniseries are falling under Rebirth. I guess not. And, and I guess. also, I, I don't think it's, like, spiritually tied to what's going on. You know, like, mm-hmm. to, to say that uh, Midnighter is getting back to the roots of, that everyone loved about the character, well... Steve Orlando's take on Midnighter is pretty much accepted as like the definitive version now. <laughs> right. Which so that that would have been like we're rebirthing something that's like a year and a half, two years old. So I think I think they just that is one thing where they're like, we're just gonna plow forward and Well, Harley Quinn. <laughs> or even yeah, fucking Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I, I guess that's what I mean. It's like this is a continuation of a of a series that was, you know, a DCU series, and it, it was clearly like, you know, these characters are are a big part of like the DCU. Um, so I just think I just think it's like an interesting delineation. I do think you're you're spot on, probably when you you know saying that they just aren't including miniseries yeah. under the Rebirth banner. Um, which is something they did um, with the New 52 and, and even, I guess, the DCU a, a little bit, depending on how you look at it. And it, um, I think maybe engendered a little bit of ill will from fans. I think that there are, excuse me for the yawn here. Oh, I'm a tired boy. Um, I'm pretty sure that one of the issues that comes into play here is they're kind of pitching Rebirth as this line that, I think they really want people to be reading all of Rebirth, right? And and that comes as like a prepackaged number of books that are all kind of intertwined. And if they want these to be on the periphery there, maybe their thought is, well, here are books we don't want. Like, we don't want people to not buy the second Green Lantern's issue of the month to buy the Ned um, and Apollo book. So, that's so, a lot of books that they want people to buy. It, well, it is, but but yeah. but but do you doubt that's the way it is? Um, I don't. I don't. Well, and I bet it also does have to do with that maturity level that we talked about, you know, and allowing the creators a little bit more leeway um, in doing things, and you know, they don't necessarily want that tied to the rebirth line. Yeah, yeah. that's right. probably that probably has something to do with it as well. Until they have Dr. Manhattan's penis flopping around. Well, as you you know. I can't wait to see how they retcon that out. <laughs> They're just going to put a, a Dan DiDio, like sticker right over <laughs> yeah. it. Now it'll be like the shadows in the first arc of Superman. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep, covering up the undies. Yep. Or it'll be like an, like an Austin Powers movie. <laughs> it'll be and Austin Powers, yeah. It, it'll just be like, you know, he'll walk. There's <laughs> always, always things in front of him whenever he walks around naked. Or like Plastic Man, like part of Plastic Man's body, like <laughs> stretches over to cover it up. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen Plastic or Elongated Man in some time. 
Oh, the the Dibneys are coming back. I hope so, guys. I mean, we saw we saw Ralph in oh. uh, in um, Secret, Secret Six. Six. Yeah, yeah. And didn't uh, didn't we see one of them in Justice League? We saw someone with stretching powers. I thought. Did we? I don't remember. Jay, I thought like it was. JLU. I thought it was like right after. No, regular Justice League. Right after Forever Evil. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up, but I don't remember that. But that doesn't mean it's not true. It, I thought it was like a small. Oh, now I'm gonna have to go back and look. It we might saw... have just been Secret Six. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Because I don't know. We yeah. saw Plastic Man in uh, uh, Convergence. That is true. That is true. Um, so on the, um, pull pirate and pulp scale, what are you guys doing with the uh, vigilante Southland pirate? It's, it's, it's middle of the road, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to condemn it yet. <laughs> yeah. That's same. I feel the same. Yeah. I can get behind that. All right. That brings us then to, we got a, a nice little treat this week in the, uh, Wonder Woman 75th anniversary special. Which um, you know, seven ninety nine, just a bit of a, a steep price tag, but Worth seven seventy six pages of content, uh, with only about a third of that or so had been printed beforehand. Um, what do you guys think of it? I I think almost everything that was in this issue was really good and worthy of being in there. Uh, so much so that I didn't miss the fact that uh, Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chang were advertised and appear nowhere in this issue. <laughs> I think there was one other creator. Was Adam Hughes someplace in here? A- Adam Hughes was not here. And he uh, was, I, I so believe that. he was also advertised, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just just to uh, to clarify, the two bits that were previously published were there's an excerpt from the new Jill Thompson graphic novel in here. And there's also a bit from Rene DeLiz's The Legend of Wonder Woman Digital First series uh, that appears in here. Everything else, I believe, was created for the special, right? I think so, yeah. I think so. At least that's the impression that I got. Um, There were some really, really great little stories in here, guys. Mm -hmm. I'd be interested to hear which which one was each of your favorite. Hmm. Um... Let me think about that first. Did you have yeah, one, I th- Zach? I think I need to think about it as well. I, uh, I think I'm between let's, two. Let's go through it for a second here. So there's the um, Raphael Scavone and Raphael Albuquerque uh, Liberation of France story. Yeah, that, it was very much a Joan of Arc. Yes. <laughs> the, that That's the first story that we get. The second story, I'm just going through it now so we can kind of talk about each one. The second story we get is the one with the pet tiger. Which was the Brendan Fletcher, Fletcher and uh, Carl Kershaw series. That uh, might have been my favorite. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm not counting like, the pinups and the art features, which were very cool, by the way. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of artists who haven't done a ton of DC work getting those. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. Uh, we get the um, Riley Rossmo illustrated. Who wrote this? Um Meritured Scott, somebody I'm not familiar with, um, did a, a story as well. And you guys know how I feel about Riley Rossmo's art. Yeah. So, yeah. with Giganta. That, 
that was a really nice extension of what Riley was doing on uh, Night of Monster, Monster Men. Men. Absolutely, yes. It was like 1D versus the Monster Woman, basically. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I also thought it was interesting. Um, I got like major vibes from of the way Wonder Woman was per- portrayed in uh, Dark Knight Three. Yes, recently. Yes. Yeah. Uh, then there was the. Um, I'm sorry for just running through this for listeners, but I think it's important we talk about all the things in here. There was the fake, uh, like Saturday, like Sunday Magazine piece by Lois Lane that was written by Greg Rucka. The interview between Lois Lane and uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah, which. That I mean, it didn't break any ground in that, like, if you didn't read this, you wouldn't miss out on anything that's going on in their story. But it was fun. It was fun. It was really nice. It was interesting to hear Diana uh, reference Twitter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there was the uh, Liam Sharp written illustrated piece, which kind of ties into what he's doing right now in Wonder Woman. Uh, there was, I think, my favorite piece, the Fabio Moon Age of Wonder piece. Um, which has the uh, show Wonder Woman like inspiring the young girls in the neighborhood when she fights the dragon. Mm-hmm. Really like that. Then there was the the piece by Marguerite Bennett and Marguerite Savage, the team behind uh, DC Bombshells, um, which is a, a short piece. Then uh, we got that piece from the Legend of Wonder Woman, which I I am not current on the Legend of Wonder Woman, but I really enjoyed that story too. Yeah, I w- I'm not current either, and I wondered if this was a if this was new content or if it was just a, a reprint from that. I think it's a reprint, but don't don't hold me to that. Okay. So so I am current on that, uh-huh. but you know it comes out every week, so like <laughs> reading it, it seemed really familiar to me, but I couldn't <laughs> say for sure. Okay. That, you know. Yeah. Um, I just want to point out the nice Sebastian Fiumara, who I'm a huge fan of from the Manilaverse. We did a pin up there. It was really nice. Then we get the excerpt from Wonder Woman, the true Amazon, the Jill Thompson book, which was lovely. I haven't, Vince, you, you got that, right? Have you read that yet? I have not read it yet. Okay. It's, it is also waiting for me to, to read. Um, but I liked the excerpt here. Um, then we get the, uh, the other contender for my favorite part, which was the Ikea story. (laughs) I just loved everything about this story. Uh, written by Hope Larson. I'm trying to get to the credits to see who illustrated it. Uh, Ramon Box. Ramon Box, yes. Yeah, this one was up there for me. There's one other one, which I'll, I'll go back when we're done. But this one was one of my favorites, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also really loved the uh, Marcio Takara Three Generations of Wonder People pinup. The Wonder Woman, Donna Troy, Cassie Yeah, that's pin-up. my favorite pinup. And then we got the last story, which was written by Gail Simone, illustrated by... Gotta get to this, too... Uh, Colleen Duran. Colleen Duran, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was that was the last story, right? Mm-hmm, in yes. the book. And then uh, there was a Phil Jimenez pinup. Yes, that yes. was really nice. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I'm comfortable saying that the Brendan Fletcher, Carl Kershaw, uh, tiger poaching uh-huh. one was my favorite. I just love the way that Kershaw draws Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Like I think she's really interesting. Look, like it's a different take on her look uh than 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 most artists attempt i like it yeah i mean when i heard about this book i thought it was going to be mostly reprinted stuff and i thought it was going to be mostly skippable 
And I couldn't feel more differently about it. Yeah, it was great. Uh, Zach, you were going to go back and talk about one of the stories you liked. Which one do you want to go back and talk about? I really liked the first one, the Raphael Albuquerque one. Uh Uh-huh. And Raphael Scavone. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just really liked that one. I thought it was like, uh, I want Raphael Albuquerque to draw Wonder Woman all the time now. I want him to draw everything. (laughs) In the it's in the forties, like I want, I want that to be a book. You know what, guys? Let's yeah, pause. Yeah, that. Let's... And then if we're gonna talk, huh? Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say if we're gonna talk about pinups too, I think my favorite one was the Unique Paquette one. Although the Ginny Frisson one was really good too. Mm-hmm. I actually, I had a thought as as I was reading this. Like, would you guys buy? A monthly book of pinups. Uh, like if DC, if DC offered like every month you get twenty incredible pinups for two ninety nine, and it was like all like all different all artists, few, yeah, not just like one particular character. Uh, it, it could be themed. I don't know. Like, I I just got to think about this. I was thinking like, wow, those pinups alone to me were worth the price of admission and then like wow how cool would it be if there was a book that was or if every if every book had like a great pinup in it not a variant cover nothing you have to hunt down but something in the book i would really like that stuff yeah that would be really cool especially for, I, like original hey. art yeah that would be pretty cool what was that vince I said may, maybe I I don't know I I don't know I don't know I'm I'm not as into that idea as you guys but that's fine yeah I would be even more into it I would pay more if they were like poster size not like huge poster size but you know like like print size I guess almost okay yeah and it was like a book of say like ten to twenty print size art pieces a month or even like bi-monthly um and you know maybe like 7.99 i think that would be pretty cool yeah well we're boring vince with this pinup talk so let's get to i'm just hey hey hey, come on i'm just teasing let's move over to batman beyond number one written by dan jurgens illustrated by bernard chang and uh, almost skipped by Brian Salvatore, even though it's like, the first issue. Man, I don't know if I've ever groaned so hard on a last page. <laughs> I've, oh, Wait a minute, yeah. groaned so hard? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah like, just like, oh. <laughs> okay, first of all, you can just, like, you can picture Dan Jurgens being so proud of himself with uh, Joker's Town. Because they say it 50 fucking times in the issue. Everyone's like, Joker's Town, eh? There's one scene in particular where they say it like four times in one page. And it's so dumb. I don't know why they have to say it. We get the point. Yeah, we know it's called Joker's Town. Oh, God. This was extremely Jergens. Oh, this was... There was nothing shui about this book, let me tell you. It was all... Hey, is the uh, is the antonym for Shway Jurgens in the in the Batman <laughs> Beyond universe? 
Was it just I... me, or did Jurgens remember he had read A Clockwork Orange when writing this issue? <laughs> oh, Zach, what what made you hard about this? No, he no, groaned not hard. hard. Like, groan, like, groan, like, like, I groaned from... Oh, like... you gr- I, thought you, I thought you meant, like, you grew hard. <laughs> no, like, my, like gr- yeah, G-R-O-A-N. I groaned <laughs> so hard. Oh, God, I'm sorry. That was a really... Um... Okay, this... Sorry, this is what I'm talking about. How the hell many guys are there? No wonder they call it Joker's Town! Exclamation point. <laughs> Fuck you, Dan Jurgens. This is a bad comic. <laughs> oh, man. You know, every time they said that they used the words Joker's Town, though, uh-huh. I got more and more afraid of the comic to the <laughs> point that I, I didn't want to turn the page. Cause oh, that's so twisted. It's the twist. <laughs> God. The most twisted comic I've ever read, you guys. I, would you say it left you damaged? I am damaged goods <sighs> now. Uh, this is the. This is why is this a series? I don't know. You know it. It really does. You know what it does. It makes me want to <laughs> set yourself on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That would be Can we just talk about how fast he changed his clothes <laughs> yeah. and put on Joker and makeup? Dyed his hair. Did did yeah. he have did he have the makeup shotgun that Homer Simpson invented? That like he just like shot himself in the face with because there's no way he put that makeup on that fast. Oh God! Women will buy what I tell those, them to buy. Like, those like two panels were like the span of 30 minutes <laughs> well it's just like there's two panels and how jordan when sinestro had sex a few weeks ago like just you know oh, you're right indeterminate amount of time between the panels yeah oh man and both of them someone ended up with white on their face oh. <laughs> how do you know that uh cora cora <laughs> semen is white <laughs> It's probably know. yellow, guys. Let's be fair. Come on, it's uh, they're wow. obsessed with the color yellow. This podcast is uh, is as mature as Vigilante Southland. <laughs> wow. Uh, I- I'm pulping this book. I'm done. I'm not reading another Jurgens written issue of uh, Batman Beyond. Me either. Boom. <laughs> Check another one off the list. <laughs> Zach, Zach is murking comics left and right. <laughs> Man. You're Deathstroke the Terminator, my friend. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pulping this. This is this is man trash. But, yes. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me want to go watch the animated series. Well, th- you know that was actually the one takeaway I had from this. Like, oh well, there's nothing about this that I that I enjoy, and yet I loved Batman Beyond. Yeah. Like, th- th- yeah. there is no connective tissue between the two. Also, it's funny because, like, this whole time I've been thinking, like, hey, where's Bruce? And then they brought up, like, Brother Eye. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I remember, like, oh, yeah, I really don't have to care about this. Yeah. Right. Man, Jurgens is never going to be on our show. Oh, I can get him on tomorrow. I'm not even joking. I can get him on tomorrow. I'm not going to, but I could. Okay. I um, oh. Yeah. No, we're not doing that. All, All right. right. Uh, Teen, Teen Titans, number one, written by Ben Percy, illustrated by John Boy Myers. R.I.P. John Boy Myers' uh, <laughs> participation in the book. Yeah. Uh, so, so forgotten by DC, even though he is the visual artist, his name is not on the front cover. 
Oh, see, I saw. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. It's below the colorist. That's yeah, what it the was. colorist. I saw that and I was like, wow, that's some shade, DC. Like, that was that's some fast action shade right there. Yeah. Um, I have a prediction that I'm going to have liked this more than either of you guys. I didn't hate this. Zach? I didn't hate it. I liked it more than the Rebirth issue. Yes. Mm-hmm. But still didn't love it. No. I didn't love it, but... I liked things about it. Okay, I don't, I don't think it's better than Green Arrow, but I think Percy's writing is better than Green Arrow. Interesting. Like I, I did not roll my eyes very much. Maybe once or twice. There are five of us, and five fingers make a fist. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what about Alfred breaking birthday rule number one, asking what he wished for? Come on, Alfred. Show some restraint. What did you wish for, sir? <laughs> also, I love Damien's, like, right before that, his, uh, not the Alfred part, but the fist part, his, like, um, his, like, both meta jab against, like, the new 52 Teen Titans and, like, modern youth culture. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, th- this is this is such a tangential comment, but I promise it comes back around. There's a rumor that if you work for uh, the WWE, the wrestling company, there is like boxes of t-shirts backstage you can take. And so whenever you see a wrestler out in public, they're always wearing a WWE t-shirt because apparently they're free. And apparently Bruce Wayne operates the same thing because we only see Damien wearing Robin gear. Even on his birthday, his birthday <laughs> dinner, he's wearing Robin gear. There's like a box of Robin shirts someplace and uh, that's the only clothes he's allowed to have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, as we'll find from an, another book that we'll get to in a minute, it, it seems like Bruce doesn't really care all that much about Damien. So. <laughs> that, that, is, that is true. Um, yeah. This is okay. I um, I still think it's weird. And this is, this is the most fanboy of family complaints. So listeners, just start doing the jerk-off hand motion now as I begin I, to say this, yeah, just so, you, so you're, uh, you're in line with me here. I, I don't love the idea of Starfire and Beast Boy being Titans with Damien. Like, to me, they just seem like from an older generation, and Raven, too. They're from an older generation of the team. And it's weird to me that, like, Dick Grayson is a full adult, but those three are not, you know? Yeah. Again, it's, it's a small point. Uh, I'm not I'm not banking my uh, enjoyment of the book on that. It's just the team feels odd to me. See, and and I'm if you know if I do the Armin Tamzarian thing and say like we'll never we'll never speak of this again, uh-huh. you know that like the fact that uh, they were they were of Dick's group and now 30, they're not anymore. That over thirty years ago, they were Teen Titans. Yeah, right, right, right. If, if if we don't think about that, I look at the Titans book and I say, okay. Mm, 85, 90% of that is the uh, new Teen Titans that I remember, you know. And then you look at this team, and I say, okay, 80, 90% of this is animated Teen Titans, basically, you know. And so I think somehow DC, by fudging the ages of these two characters, are having their cake and eating it too, and a, a a fan that's more seasoned like you might be upset by that, Brian. But 
someone who's younger who grew up with the Teen Titans animated series is going to look at this team and say, that looks right. And they're also going to look at Titans and they're going to realize that's the new Titans team. But, so new, even teen though but new Teen Titans only had Dick and uh, Wally on it. Oh, really? New Teen Titans was Dick, Wally, Cyborg, Starfire, Beast Boy, and Raven, and Jericho. So it, it it's it's more the original Teen Titans team, like okay. you know. I'm, um, I'm just I'm just forgetting who. Was no, I, 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 I take your point though. I mean, it, it makes sense. Like what's interesting to me is that if you look at it on the surface, like the Teen Titans animated series slash Teen Titans Go, if you just add Kid Flash to that, that's essentially the Marv Wolfman George Perez. Yeah, New Teen okay. Titans. Okay, you're right. You're right. So I am thinking. I'm thinking of the earlier team, but my. My but your point, point stands. Your point my stands. Point, yeah, my point is somehow they're having their cake and eating it too by making one team that looks very much like uh, a very old Teen Titans team mm -hmm. and another team that harkens to the animated series even though a couple of those members should overlap in a, yeah. in a, you know, in a world that's free from continuity. Is it weird that we've completely excised the like to me, if there's three pillars of the Teen Titans, there's that original Sidekicks team, there's the Wolfman Perez team, and then there's the Jeff Johns team. Is it weird that we don't see any of the Jeff Johns characters here? Uh, I don't even remember. Who do you who do you count as the Jeff Johns character? I mean, that's like Cassie and Khan, right? And Tim. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, Tim I mean, is dead, so. He's not dead. He's in a weird prison. Well, okay, but he's he's dead to them. Yeah. And Khan doesn't exist. Kind of. Sort of. And, and Cassie someplace. Where Cassie is, yeah. She's off we'll, doing stuff. We'll see. I I think, I think within three years, we're gonna have all those old characters back. Eventually. This is also this feels like more young justicey. Not like the TV show, like the cartoon, mm -hmm. but the the original series. Sure. The Peter David? Yeah, the Peter yeah. David. See, that was a period when I wasn't reading a lot of comics. Mm -hmm. So I I'm not all that familiar with that period. Um So it's crap then, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah. It's garbage. Um Oh man. I no. always I always think of the the Teen Titans, or the, I guess it was, I don't know if it was supposed to be Teen Titans or Young Justice series that we never got, like, pre-New 52 with Damien in it. That's what this makes me think of. Mm. Well, that was the, um, didn't JT Krull write him into Teen Titans for a bit? He was in there for a few episodes, yeah. uh, episodes issues, yeah. Krull. Krull. Oh, but no, there was that, like, Nick Spencer team that was supposed to spin oh, out of Oh, yeah. Uh, Superman, I, mean. I mean, Supergirl. Man, I just can't get anything right today. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was like Supergirl, Damien, um, Wally West's daughter, Steph Brown, Batgirl, Miss Martian, Static Shock, Blue Beetle. Oh, oh man. God. I want that. Yeah. <laughs> Except I don't want Nick Spencer to write it. <laughs> no, I I want to, I, I want 2010 Nick Spencer to write it. I do not want 2016 Nick Spencer to write it. Yeah, uh, man, I really liked his Thunder Agents. I really liked. Remember he did that um, 
Was it a Lois Lane special issue? Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah. It was the those were the Didn't he do the backups for Action Comics too for a while? Yes he did. Jimmy The Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen, yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was a Jimmy Olsen one shot that it wasn't Lois Lane. I thought he did a Lois one too. Maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> Regardless, uh I I'll pirate this for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I've Who's the artist going to be next? I have no idea, actually. Oh, it's um, talk amongst yourselves. I'll look it up. It's somebody is it we Koi like. Fam? That, uh, is that right? It might be Koi Fam. Koi Fam Teen Titans. I think we like Koi Fam, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yep. I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh... I'm not opposed to that in principle. I'll sign up for that newsletter. <laughs> yeah we'll see i uh i like damien i like all of these characters so like when i look at the team i really like it so mm-hmm. hopefully i'll like it better than titans well that's not too hard we'll get to that in a few minutes uh. um all right that brings us to action comics number 966 this had the most jurgens bit of dialogue of the whole week <laughs> Um, okay. I, <laughs> when I read this bit of dialogue, I, I could only read it as Clark as played by Adam West. Um, <laughs> well, that doesn't even make any sense. Um, I, I have to see if I, I don't think I can do, or may, maybe William Shatner, um, ah. <laughs> because of the use of, uh, of an ellipsis, but he says something like, um, you know, your mom is a very accomplished person. A very cool person. <laughs> Who the fuck talks like that? <laughs> I do. Uh, well, he's well, trying to relate to his yeah his young son. I mean, to be fair, you guys are very cool people. So <laughs> yeah. So let son, me get this straight, okay? Your mom is insanely fam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that had been the line. <laughs> She's even perhaps shway. <laughs> um so let me just see if i get this right so lois lane who is from what we can gather a good 15 years older than than new 52 lois lane is gonna just like passes her now right I, I don't know i mean if you don't if you just squint at it and like just don't You just gotta like. It's comics that you know. You gotta, you gotta let the Jurgens wash over you. Yeah. Like, I, I was thinking that the whole time too. I was like, this doesn't really make sense, but I get why he's doing it, and I don't hate where it's going. So I'm just gonna nod my head and say okay, and then not remember that there was ever another Lois. Well, that's essentially what's happening here. Is like, and let us never mention old Lois again. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> yes. it, it, it's done. But just like, you know, there's no, there, there are two ways this goes, and I hate both ways. The first way is that whenever Lois is on screen, she's pretending to remember something that she doesn't remember. <laughs> Where they're like, hey, Lois, remember that time we went to the movies and, and ate that popcorn? And she's like, oh, of course. Or she's never encounters anything she's not prepared for, and both are dumb. 
So here's my question. Okay. Since there, since Jurgens has gone to great lengths to tie up this bow, outside of the the Superwoman series, wherein the other Lois died, do you think that means that that Lois stays dead, and we don't really get we we got like the the kind of like resolution to that story in another book? <laughs> yeah, probably. The the only the only thing I would say is that uh, Phil Jimenez still says about Lois to like trust him, you know. Uh-huh. Yes. So that's... oh, like I trust him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well played. Yes. I, I don't need to say any more. Let me also say that uh, Steven Segovia did some nice work in this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, his his style is not quite what I would expect for this book, but I thought he did a nice job with it. It's crumpulent. Yeah. There were some parts that were very cool. <laughs> I'm not, not, not going guys. To me, it seemed like he was like trying to think of a word, and then cool <laughs> was the best thing he could come up with. Which is kind of a Superman thing. Like, swell would have been better. Yeah. You know, but like the, the guy who's just totally out of touch because he's so, uh, he, he's so, you know, um, a bunch of goody two shoes or whatever. Right. But yeah. Your 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 mother is very bay. <laughs> <laughs> he was about to say something suggestive, but had to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he forgot where he was. I, no. <laughs> I would have loved this if he totally misused a word from pop culture like your mother's very hashtag. Like that would be that would be such a great Superman moment to just not understand what's happening. Yeah. your mother is a very emoji person and uh Uh, batgirl at number four albuquerque and larson at it again vince vince wrote a review this week for this issue i did what the hell happened yeah what am i doing um the sixth man of multiversity yeah coming off the bench So I like this issue a lot, um, but it, it was more conventional than, than the other Batgirl issues had been to date. Would you guys agree? Like, like well, the other ones were very much like a sort of a romantic travelogue mixed with the Batgirl comic. This was very much like a beat-em-up Batgirl mystery for the whole way through. Yeah. I guess so. There was... There was um there was still a little bit of the travel log stuff there. There was, but it wasn't like so overtly like we're stopping at a food stand and we're eating <laughs> right. You no, know, whatever and and it's got like the actual name of what it is and like you know, or there are there like there nobody's like chilling by the pool for a couple pages. This this was very much down to business. This is less of a resort comic. Got it. Yeah, I mean I'm not, I'm not saying like I'm not saying the soul of uh, you know, South Korea or wherever she happens to be at any given moment isn't there. I'm just saying like there's there wasn't a lot of downtime in this one. I agree with that. I gotta say, last issue I kind of like ragged on the whole like bacteria plot point, uh-huh. but I gotta say I love that um, they they like deleted the information using an antibiotic. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that had Zach written all over it. Yeah, the pharmacist in me was like, oh yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Some good sci-fi right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And this is a totally fun issue. Yeah. 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 It uh it almost made me forget about Background the Birds of Prey. But actually <laughs> let, let let's take a There's little another Batgirl book? Yeah. Let's take a little pause here for one second. Um we talked in the past about the first four members of the JLA team being revealed at New York Comic Con. Oh, yeah. We got the rest of the team revealed this week. So the full lineup will be the four previously announced characters, Vixen, the Ray, the Adam, and uh, Killer Frost, as well as Batman, Black yeah. Canary, and Lobo. <laughs> Man. <Yeah>. Batman. <laughs> could there be a less... Could there, could there be... Are, are we just totally un- underwhelmed by this? Um, Lobo is the one exception because I I can picture Steve Orlando writing Lobo and yes. it's gonna be awesome. Yes, <laughs> I can see that. Uh, and I I do like the diversity of those original members that we got, but then like you're right, Batman and Black Canary. Like not that I have anything against Black Canary, but she's in several books right now. Yes, and Batman is in every book. Right. So. Well, so, so here, here are my two issues. Okay, we saw in so going way back here, Batman quits the Justice League and forms the Outsiders, right? Oh, I was just about to say this feels more like an Outsiders team. Yes, uh, and but then at the start of the New Fifty Two, we saw um, Batman launching Justice League International like covertly. <laughs> Yes, we did. And this is the thing he does. It's a little yeah. side project. Yeah, so I was going to say, like, he's the guy in the band who releases, like, 40 side projects, you know, um, with diminishing returns oftentimes. So I, I wonder if that's going to be the angle taken here that Batman has to assemble this team for the 15th time for the 15th reason or whatever. Um, so I don't know if that's going to make sense as to why he's on the team. Because, you know, we don't need another Batman team book here. And it, it specifically said in the press release that he is still a part of the Justice League proper team. Right. So it's not even like he's leaving that book. That said, Steve Orlando showed us with Night of the Monster Man that he can write a hell of a Batman. Oh, well, sure, yeah. So I'm happy about that. Now, Black Canary, you know, at one point she was retconned to be one of the founding members of the Justice League. So it's not out of the, like, you know, scope of, of her character's history that she'd be a member of the team. I have no problem with that. My problem is that She's a supporting character in Green Arrow, almost a co-lead in Green Arrow. And she's part of the background of the Birds of Prey. Now, if this means that book's going away, I have less issue because that book sucks. But, you know, that's a whole other story. I just think it's weird to have a character that... I think it's weird to have any non-Batman or Superman character that is a supporting character in three books running. Yeah, it's weird. She's she's clearly getting some sort of like push C, CW push, you know like yeah I yeah I don't know. The real question is which DC TV show is Lobo going to show up in next? <laughs> I mean, how great would it be if he just walked onto Arrow, which is a show that has like nothing to do with outer space? Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, Oliver, you bastard. <laughs> You're coming with me. And they go to space. Who would he be played by? 
it's the CW, so probably a professional wrestler. Um, <laughs> the Rock at one point was signed on to play him in a movie. Yeah, that's right. Many yeah. moons ago. Um. Anyway, I trust Steve Orlando, and he did say he would like to expand the team as time goes on. I don't know why DC is is in this mindset that they can only have seven Justice League members. Yeah. But. It's a magic number. It's like 52. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be happier with 52 Justice League members, though. <laughs> like, the just the unlimited slash task force model. You know, we just take what you need for each mission. Well, maybe we'll get 52 covers with flags on them again. Yeah. <laughs> God, remember those? <laughs> and remember when Marvel did it again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, guess who owns all of those? <laughs> oh, do you really? <laughs> I have a pretty active eBay account. Do you want me to sell those for you, pal? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> are you going to have like a suit made out of them? Like, Why are you holding on to those? Do you bring the appropriate one with you whenever you go to another state? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a passport. You stop at the border and you show somebody your issue of Justice League of America number one. It's like Vlad Stanley. Only- <laughs> <laughs> I will say this if you, if you ever come to visit me without the New Jersey copy of that I'm going to be pissed off well you know what my end game with them is <laughs> coffin lining <laughs> <laughs> like what no it's clearly to burden my ancestors with 50 issues at the same time <laughs> <laughs> it's my final prank solid goof i'll give you that it is a solid goof all right that brings us to blue beetle number two i kiss the wisconsin one every night of course you do (laughs) uh blue beetle number two um guys i think i think we should be worried about keith giffen he's obviously a very unhappy person because this is the most joyless book i've ever read it's the most joyless book that masquerades as a book that's really fun yeah yeah it's I it's unreadable. So you know what my strategy? We, I said I was going to talk about this. I did the uh, the patented Wilkerson strategy <laughs> of reading it and not reading the dialogue. Oh, so you didn't hear that blurry character call herself a cute girl nine times? No, I didn't. Okay. Nope. 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 I absolutely didn't. And you know what? The book was still bad, but like slightly better. Scott Collins is a good artist. He's a good artist. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't really read this. I just looked at twenty pages and then closed it. Okay, we're all trashing it. Moving on. Um, Deathstroke <laughs> number five. I still love this book, guys. It's a good book. It's a really good book. It's just like, man, the the way that like Batman talks to Rose about her dad and like. Man, Priest is, like, sneaky good at writing Batman as a guy who's got everybody figured out. and like, yep. no, like, not only because he's a good detective, but also because he's been there before. Like, like he he's raising these Robins, you know, all these different Robins over his life. He's dealt with all these same situations, you know. Like, he knows what goes through the mind of a guy that and – then, and then he knows – Deathstroke, so he knows what's going through his mind, and it all comes together to be this like really almost like philosophical exploration of 
Slade through Batman? You ready for my hot take? Yeah. My hot take is that Christopher Priest is writing the Batman that Tom King is trying to write. Yeah. Like Tom yeah, King is maybe. Tom King is trying to write this Batman that like, you know, <laughs> I by the way, I thought of after we hung up the last week, I was like, I thought of the perfect description of Batman punching out the fake Jim Gordon last week. And it's another Austin Powers moment. He's like, oh, That's not Jim Gordon, that's a crook, baby, and like punches him <laughs> in the mouth. Like it's it's fucking dumb. But like King's Batman is, has everybody figured out. And like is a, is a step ahead, but he writes him like a like this passionless, like robot Batman. Whereas Priest's Batman is everybody figured out, but he's trying to help them. Yeah, and that's the big missing component in Tom King's Batman. Oh baby, you nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, baby. <laughs> that makes me randy, baby. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um. Anything else to add about this? Um, Joe Bennett's pencils also looked great. This is a really great book. I, I think this is going to be the book every couple of years. A book that comes out, and I'll buy like two or three of the first collections and just give them to people. Mm-hmm. And be like, you're going to love this comic. Read this. Yeah. This might be my Rebirth comic I do that with. Yeah. I, I hope people are reading this. I hope they're reading it in droves. I really want not just... Not just for Priest himself, but because he legitimately is knocking it out of the park. Like, man. I'm checking, this, the, uh, I'm checking the sales right now. Yeah, please do. Cause yeah, let us I, know. Man, if you're not reading this, read this book. It's it's damn close to the best thing in Rebirth, if not the best. It's It's like, I mean, to me, this is like kind of what Omega Men was. Yeah. Just, you, yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I want people to know that. Hell okay. yeah. Issue. Wait, wait, wait. Issue number three, which was two issues ago, most, the most recent one last month, um, sold fifty forty nine. Mm. Thousand nine hundred sixteen. That's, so good. That's good. That's good. Let's hope I mean, that continues. It's at fifty one. Um, there was a drop off of about five thousand issues from the previous one. That's not bad though for a from two to three only going yeah. up five thousand. That's not bad. Yeah. All right, I'm I'm happy. That makes me happy. Yeah, okay. let's. I really though, if you're not reading this book, correct that. It is one of the lower selling DC titles though. Which is a crazy testament to how well these books are selling. Yeah, in fact, it actually it pretty much is it's the lowest. God, uh, oh, man, it's Omega Men all over again. It's not uh, higher than Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, is it? I mean, lower than that? Uh, yeah. Oh, fuck you, people. I think so. Oh, no, no, no. It's above. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey is the lowest one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, damn. It, but but like the benchmark for cancellation is said to be like what twenty thousand. Yeah, it's something? well above that. Yeah, which so good. So crazy that like that everything's the, doing that well. Rebirth book is in like the high forties, like almost fifty. Well, the, the, you know, if I I, I don't want to sound like a shill, but like a lot of this stuff does deserve it. You know, they they really pulled themselves out of the gutter here. Yeah, yeah. Not everything, but but it's a it's a winning 
batting average here. Absolutely. Oh, okay, my bad. The lowest books are actually Hellblazer and New Superman. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. But yeah. even those Superman. are sitting low low forties. Yeah. They're doing Keenan Kong dirty fam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure yeah, they are. Hard pull. Yeah. <laughs> um that brings us to Detective Comics with our pal and newly DC exclusive artist Alvaro Martinez on uh, art. This is the first non-Monsterman book after Tim Drake's quote death unquote. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good issue. Yeah, this book is this book is rolling along now. You know, they're kind of they're past their opening conceit and now they're building on it and uh we got an appearance from uh, Batwing. Yes, the second Batwing. <laughs> the second Batwing. What I wouldn't rest, give for the first Batwing. Yeah, I would. I would. I would like a lot for him to come back. He's not dead. I. I. I meant that like metaphorically. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um. We also had another. We had a big return in this issue. The um, Harper Row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. First time we've seen her since Rebirth started, I think. Yep. Yep. Some it's, serious. Uh, Batman and Robin Eternal. Yes. Some serious and really great Clayface stuff in this issue. Oh man, Clayface! How crazy is, is that? MVP. Yeah, I love when they're like, "Give us the biggest, baddest guy you got in the mudroom," and he and he shows up. Yeah. And just how heartbroken he was. Yeah. It's so good. I yeah. hope they keep him a villain, a, a hero forever now. I know this is a fanboy thing to say, but I feel like just this is a very interesting place for him to be. It is. It would. I, I feel like it would be kind of really disappointing for like five years from now to him for him to just show up in like a you know <laughs> a big like rogues gallery shot with everyone, and you know he's and he's the shitty bad guy. Again. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. just bad guy with everybody else. Because let's be honest, Batman could lose a rogue or two and be just fine. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, might as well. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah, so good, though. This was a really fun this issue. really good. Martinez's art is awesome. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a great pickup by DC. Yeah, yeah. I, there, there, there's a conversation to be had on a, on a week when we have less books, so never, um, about... Why DC is now signing all these artists to exclusive deals? Why the time is right? I think it's probably because of the double shipping. They just need to yeah. to like shore up their uh, their base of folks that that are there each week to you know to get these books out there. But it's a pretty shrewd move, and uh, I like it. I like it too. I feel like that sad Batman face on yeah. the, the bottom of that the page. That's that's just like waiting to be that, that is so memeable. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Um All right, let's uh let's move on to <laughs> how we have to. Yeah, I know. To how Jordan the Green Lantern car number seven. It looks really good, you guys. Yeah. But they tell Hal's origin again, and Sinestro's origin again. Uh, is Hal? What's is Hal, Hal? was a chef, right? Yes, yes. He was. He was. His father was a pastry chef, and he wanted to be a pastry chef. But he saw his father blow up in an oven, so he became a, a saucier instead. Well, 
I think they were just cover, like they were just covering their bases because we saw like an alternate take on the origin story in Green Lanterns last week. So <laughs> might have been a little confused about like who was the pilot, like what <laughs> what happened. Uh Garbage. I, I felt a lot better after I that know. that one page recap. Garbage. First of all, it was three pages. Second of all, oh, it was, was page. I'm pretty sure it was three pages, dude. No, it's just the first page. I'm pulling it up. Let's well, for, just for just for Hal's part, maybe not. Maybe it's scattered through the issue. There might have been more, but like just the first page is like the plane crash. And okay, okay, okay. That's fair. That's fair. Um, still, I'm Al Jordan. Still total garbage. Um, so let's let's discuss the the end of the issue though because Hal Jordan sort of goes supernova mm-hmm. and blows up War World with him and Sinestro on it. That's also a very drag. We talked about how this is Dragon Ball. That's a very Dragon Ball Z thing. Oh, man, it was. <laughs> I actually really liked that part. I <laughs> that's the best part of the Brian. series. What was that? Hal Jordan dying is the best part of the series so far. Name yeah. one better part of the series so far. Uh, oh man, I love that page. Like those two pages, three so pages, I guess. Coming. Like the start of the transformation to when everybody gets vaporized. Like I loved that. That that panel. It's like the second panel on the last page where he's just kind of like floating there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like kind of like spaceman. Oh man, I thought that page looked so good. There's a lantern floating in the sky. He wants to vaporize us, but he's scared he'll kill Sinestro. There's a whatever. <laughs> all right, all yeah. right. Um, can I, I, uh, not on the year of the man's death, my yeah. friend. Um, hey, that was in full tribute. Can I? Can I, uh, can I have a hot take here? Sure. I hope this is the last we ever see of Hal Jordan. <laughs> ever? ever again. Now, wait a minute. The problem with that is that... The the title of the book is Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Right, right, right. But the problem with that is that, like, the lead-up story to lead to this point was not good enough for it to be Hal's song. No, I think it's... We've had good Hal stories. Yeah. So let's let's just let it be. Let's just pretend... I'm all good. If if they want to justify Hal's name being in the title by having the first page be his origin every issue, <laughs> I'll be all right. What what if this? Because we talked before we started recording about how Kyle Rayner's in the cover of the. I believe it's the next issue. What if he just walks up in a beer fest thing and is like, "Why don't you guys just call me Hal Jordan from now on?" And you know, I'm already, I'm already fucking Star Sapphire, so just call me Hal Jordan, and you know, we'll say my dad was a pilot, and we're moving on. Okay, cool, thanks. That's a great reference. They all just take. I, I would like it if they all just took turns being Hal. Yeah. yeah. Guy, guy is Hal for a week, and he's yeah. like shitting on himself and calling himself like names and stuff. Yeah. So, but I'm I am serious though because like, if there's anything that Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps has done so far, it's prove that nobody knows how to tell a new story with Hal Jordan. After Jeff Johns, yeah, yeah, nobody's done it in a couple years now. So let's table him for a while, if not forever, (laughs) and you know let some of these other lanterns take it away. At least a decade. Can we give it a decade? Yeah, sure. 
And then, and then Jeff Johns can come back and rebirth him. Yes, rebirth you know, him. This also might be a sneaky way to take him essentially off the table for any, like, Justice League or DC Extended Universe movies. Ooh, that's In not a bad point, yeah. yeah. And like, yeah. It's not going to happen, but it's not a bad point. <laughs> well, I'm just, yeah, the, ideal, the idealist in me is thinking, like, now let's put Jon Stewart front and center again and then get him into a movie or something. Yeah. But uh, this is just a bad book, so it's best yeah. if we all forget it. I kind of do like the idea of, like, the, the Green Lanterns taking in the Yellow Lanterns to rebuild their core. I feel like there's a lot of interesting stories to be, to be like to be shared there. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, are they gonna be actually loyal to them? Are they going? You know, just there's there's things to be done there that could yeah. be interesting. I I feel like there's a lot of like opportunity for interesting stories here. It, it like there it's fertile ground. Like it's just, are we gonna get that? Oh, but man, now I just want this book to be Dragon Ball. <laughs> I've been watching Dragon Ball Super since they put it up on Crunchyroll, and like, uh-huh. man, if this book was that, <laughs> oh, it'd be my favorite DC book. Well, moving right along to Suicide Squad number five, continuing the garbage train. Guys, yeah. she's so demented, she wants to be in prison. That's twisted. Oh man. Yeah, can this can this be over? I'm good. Ron Williams deserves so much better than this book. He does. That's the thing. I don't even blame this on him. I blame the whole aesthetic and everything on Jim Lee. I feel like there's just there's this understanding that was created by a flawed anticipation for the film. That, like, we have to make Suicide Squad this thing. And I feel like that thing failed the film, but they haven't bailed on that for the comic yet. Partly because they've done 400 Suicide Squad books in the last five years. <laughs> yeah. Remember for two seconds when uh, James Gordon Jr. was on the team? Oh, boy. Yeah. When Alice Scott was writing it? Yeah. Good times. I, I just don't think Rob – like, this does not even feel like a Rob Williams book. It they're doesn't. So, they're, they're usually so much smarter than this. This is the dumbest book alive. Yeah. I uh, I have a theory here about this, uh, this segment where June Moon is, like, painting this thing. Uh-huh. But, like, the dialogue, she's like, oh, look what I've drawn. I was supposed to draw blah, blah, blah. I feel like, like – Rob Williams had that in the script, but Jim Lee was just like, I want to draw her painting instead. <laughs> and that's like, like, it, it exemplifies like the approach to this book. It's like, this is a Jim Lee vehicle and like, yeah, the story sur- doesn't really matter. I'm surprised he didn't draw her painting fart man from <laughs> 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 Howard Stern. Howard Stern character? Yeah. <laughs> he does love Howard Stern. Well, that's, yeah, hit him with the hind and all that. Baba yeah. Booey. Booey's <laughs> um, <laughs> penis. Howard Stern's penis. But uh, I, I think that's that awesome. essentially the best way to describe this book 
is whatever 15 pages Jim Lee can draw a month. <laughs> like, yeah. that's, like, I feel like everything is like, well, sorry, we, we don't have time to do the story you want to do, Jim, so we're just going to have you draw whatever you want to do. Yep. It's garbage. Uh, the Flash number nine, decidedly not garbage. <laughs> yeah, really good. Jorge Corona, friend of the site, he just did one of the Supergirls for us. Uh, this past month and uh, did a nice job filling in again a very kinetic uh, movement based artist doing a nice job on a Flash comic it's nice to see Wally and Wally meet even if young Wally doesn't realize who old Wally is yeah they, they did that they they really nicely like compared and contrasted the two Wallys yes this is a really small detail, but I guess since I think this is the first time we've had all three of them together, I really like how they all have different lightning colors. Yes. Which is like a very small thing, but still cool, I think. Yeah. I, I'm enjoying this multiple speedsters world. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's oh and then and then the reveal at the end. Oh yeah. Yes. And how it gives them hope. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Also, I, I think I texted a bunch of uh, eggplant emojis. You did. You did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we get that tease for a speedster, and then also when he has, when Barry has his little vision thing, we get the Johnny Quick formula. Oh, I didn't yeah. even see that. Oh man, that's a good catch. Yeah, I didn't either, Zach. Oh. Oh, guys. So. All the speedsters. All the speedsters. I'm totally fine with that. I I yeah, man. I I love how much DC is 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 pulling into all these books. How how we're going back and getting some of this stuff back and Oh man. Yeah. This is this is a great comic. This is very good. Mm-hmm. I love that it's called Kid Flash of Two Worlds. That's just... Yep. Oh, man. I love homage issues. Yeah. And it's it's crazy how good this issue is, especially when you compare it with Titans, which also features Wally West, <laughs> which is just insufferably bad. <sighs> yeah. Is that next? Is that what we're talking That's about? next, yeah. Well, I think we've said all that needs to be said. We can move on. <laughs> yeah. If that book didn't feature three of my favorite characters of all time in it, I'd be pulping it. Yeah. But I, just, I can't bring myself to do it. I, I've asked for this particular book for so long, I feel like I have to live with it. Yeah. This is your fault. It is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who's sorry? Drawing- Who's drawing Titans uh, in the solicits that just came out? It's not Brett Booth. Like, no, somebody... it's Lee Weeks. It's Lee Weeks. Oh, baby. And that's, that's a Superman Wally West team-up book. Yeah, I love Lee yeah. Weeks, too. I am so in on that book. Yeah. So we gotta we have to read it to get to that point, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I'll it specifically that. says guest artist. Right. So it's not like he's taking the book over. Of course not. But can he? Draw something for the rest of your life. Oh, why, though? Why? All right, that brings us to our final book of the week, guys. 
Uh, Wonder Woman number nine. Rucka and Sharp. We get to see a fully cured Barbara Minerva. And, uh... Yeah. It was good. I think, yeah, I think this is probably my favorite issue of the, um... The Lies? Of the Lies arc, yeah. I, I really liked the double-page spread at the mall that had, like, all the Wonder Woman creator names. Yep, Chang and, and uh, Perez, yeah. It, it almost looked like a Where's Waldo type thing. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I really liked it. I like when artists do that. They just get two pages to draw a bunch of, like, people and goofy details and things and it really set the stage for wonder woman as like a celebrity too which i think is important to her character yes yeah it's a good comic i was a little confused by the ending though refreshed my memory um we're like where it's not a place it's a state of mind man well, no. like, they're looking for like a, a a place where like the barrier between like the physical and the the spiritual is like weak or whatever, and so they go to a place that they don't really say where it is. It's just like an island, and then all of a sudden they're there. All the Amazons are there. Yeah, I was just a little confused by that. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like uh, high kind of high concept. You know, yeah, just kind of some. Yeah, they'll it'll probably make more sense next issue. It just yeah. happened. It just happened a little quickly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I I did. I reread that and thought like I must be missing something, and then I just settled on well, they're just they're they're just saying that you know th- this is the new function for how. Uh, she gets there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Basically. Yep. Also, I really thought that was the engineer on the cover, and so I was kind of like expecting oh. that in the issue. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't even think of that, but that's not a bad point. It actually almost looks like something out of Future's End too, which I guess the engineer yeah. was in Future's End, but it also looks like Steve and Diana are posing for their um, pregnancy photo shoot. Yep. <laughs> can you make that go away in general pregnancy photo shoots um probably not okay well oh can we talk about how we've um replaced the frank cho variants with uh jenny frizen jenny frizen covers and how much better that is yeah <laughs> yeah they're gorgeous oh, sorry frank cho <laughs> I'm not sorry. Nope. I'm trying to think of like the least revealing character we can give him to do covers of. Uh, he'll, find, um, he'll, find, he'll find a way to do any, to, to do panty lines than anybody. August General and Iron. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> he he draws like his dick hanging out. <laughs> uh, outrage. Outrage indeed. So um he draws, he draws moose knuckles coming through the armor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a term I never need to hear again. <laughs> anyway, let's uh let's get out of here guys. We've been here for well over an hour at this point. Um thanks for listening as always. Uh we'll be back next week. 
You can follow the three of us on Twitter. I am at Brian into nap. I'm the baby. Gotta love me. <laughs> and where can we find the baby? <laughs> at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I. And I'm at Sir Fox eighty nine. And I'm not the mama. There we go. <laughs> not the mama. <laughs> Stay tuned for all your dinosaurs' hot takes. And, they all uh, died in the Ice Age. What was that? They all died in the Ice Age in the finale. That is true. They yeah. did. Was it the Ice Age or was it the meteors? Well, what you know, whatever killed the dinosaurs. We're not sure. That's true. Might have been aliens. We've only speculated. <clears throat> um, it might have been Xenu coming back and... That is that is definitely a possibility. Yeah. Uh, I do want to say one thing that is that might anger some of our listeners, but this is the last episode you get to hear before uh, the presidential election next week, and you better vote. If yeah. you're a U.S. citizen and you're a voting age, you better be voting on Tuesday. Vote or die, as the Reverend P. Diddy said. I call him Sean. You, you know him that well? I do, I do. We're we're friends. Ah. He um he briefly lived about four miles from me. Really? Yeah, it's true. Wow. Yeah. You better have voted. I oh I, I I feared for my life. I had to. I voted already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get you there's no early voting location near me. Plus I just like I, I can't wait to go there and deal with my shitty neighbors trying to prove that I don't have the right to vote, so I'm looking forward to the the fight of it. <laughs> uh, yep. Anyway, what a, what a great country. See you in the apocalypse, folks. Bye.